We are in a series right now titled Arrow Striker. And Arrow Striker is uh, this sermon series that we're in is inspired by a book by the same title written by a man named Jonathan Hardy. And so the first week we looked at what it means to be an arrow striker based on, on an obscure story in the book of Second Kings. And we'll review that story here in just a minute. We started this series a few weeks ago. We took a break last week to receive our guest missionary, Ashley Garcia. And so we're returning to that. We've got two more weeks. And so the, the first week, we, we just introduced the, the, the story, the concept of what an arrow striker is. The second week, we talked about how to seize God-given opportunities that are before us to do great things for God. We talked about seizing God-given opportunities. And so today, we're, we're going to continue this series. And, and let me just tell you that if you like to read, this is a good book to, to buy whether you like to read just a, a regular hard copy or paperback, in this case, or Kindle, it's on Kindle. You can also listen to it. If you buy it on Kindle, you get a, you get a free audio version as well. So I have both the Kindle and the audio version of it. And uh, it's, it's a, I think it's a helpful book. And so you don't have to have the book to follow with us through this series, but uh, it gives you a little bit more material and so the book is divided into three main parts. The first part is titled Opportunity Awaits, and that's what we covered last week. And so the second part is a group of several chapters, probably seven or eight chapters. Each part has about that many chapters. And so the second part of this book is called Living Life, and that's what I want to talk about today. And Because that section, those seven or eight chapters, have to do with giving God your best, even when we face obstacles that, that have the potential to steer us off course. We have our lives ahead of us. We, we've made plans. We've made decisions. We've made moves you know, to a new house, to a new neighborhood, to a new job, etc. And, and maybe God is guiding us. But sometimes we face obstacles that steer us off course. And so how can we give God our best even when we face those types of obstacles. So today we're going to talk about how we can have extraordinary faith. How we can have extraordinary faith. So just to recap where this idea of an arrow striker comes from, here again is a story in, from 2 Kings 13. This is what we covered the first week, 2 Kings 13, the story of arrow striker. We read this story about how, and this happened about the 8th century B.C., where the nation of Israel had this enemy, and it was a very powerful enemy. In fact, they were really down and, and almost out completely, Israel was, because of the, this imminent destruction they faced from a powerful nation named Aram, uh, also known as Syria. And so Aram continued to attack uh, Israel, and they decimated, just about decimated their army. They had a dwindling army. They had little hope, little hope for survival, really. But then God revealed a plan to use King Jehoash and the prophet Elisha to save the nation. So Elisha 
gave instructions to Joash. When Joash took over as king, when his father died, he took over as king. He knew what was lying ahead. He knew the, the possibility of his nation, his country. He was a king. His country being destroyed. And I mean, nobody wants to have the country destroyed on their watch. We're like, yeah, it happened while I was king. You know, we're, Israel is no more. So he went to see the prophet Elisha, the man of God. And Elisha prophesied to him in this way. He told him to shoot an arrow out the window toward the east, which is where the nation of Aram was, to shoot an arrow out the window toward the east. And, and Jehoash did that. And then Elisha told him, what you have done is symbolic. It symbolizes the complete destruction of Aram. Now they, in those days, there was just a lot of symbolism. People responded to symbolism. God used symbolism through the prophets. You'd be surprised some of the things that, that some of the prophets did and some of the ways they acted out the prophecy. And I'm thinking of one where God told a prophet to go without any clothes on his backside because he was trying to make a point. This is why you should read the Bible. It's got a lot of great teachings, <laughs> a lot of great stories. At any rate, so this is all symbolic is what I'm trying to say. And then the prophet told the king, okay, now next I want you to grab some arrows and I want you to strike the ground with the arrows. So the prophet, having given these instructions, expected the king to grab the arrows and really strike the ground because remember, he's symbolizing the victory over Aram. But the king, very half-heartedly, just unenthusiastic, just kind of grabbed the arrows and just kind of hit the ground three times. And it angered the prophet. He said, you should have done it five or six times. But because you did it just three times and because apparently there was this lack of enthusiasm, maybe he thought, this is silly. Why am I doing this? You know, what does this mean? The prophet said, because you did that, you're not going to get the complete victory. And so despite the initial promise of victory with the first arrow, Jehoash, uh, King Jehoash's failure to fully follow the, the guidance of Elisha resulted in, in the missed opportunities for Israel. And they, Israel won three battles against Aram because he only struck the ground three times. And so the whole idea is... You know, to, to develop a type of faith that, that believes God for extraordinary things. And as Jonathan Hardy, the author, points out, points out, points out in the, the book, Arrow Striker, uh, he wrote this, The king gave a half-hearted effort to this incredible opportunity, and as a result, he missed out on what God wanted to do through him to accomplish an extraordinary victory for the nation. So... Today we're going to talk about faith, right? Because maybe this is where you find yourself. Maybe you're at a place of half-hearted effort. You wouldn't say you're all in, but you're kind of in between. A lot of people are in between. They're like, they're not all in with God, but you know, they, they, they know God and they love God and they respect God, but they're not really totally devoted to God. It's just half-hearted approach to God. And so this is what this series is about, to encourage all of us to take steps forward because that's what arrow strikers do. They take advantage of God-given opportunities and they grab them and they go for them. And these are the ones that God rewards and blesses. Now, as Christians, we talk about faith a lot, don't we? Talk about faith a lot. You see the word faith all over Christian art. 
You might even have some decoration in, in, in your house that says something about faith. And it's for good reason because the word faith appears many times. Somebody counted them and said in the New International Version, the NIV, the word faith appears 235 times. And Jesus talked about faith a lot. Faith is something that we all use. Now, we're, we're going to talk about faith in God, trust in God. But faith is something we all use even outside of Christianity or any, any religion. Faith is really a mindset. It's a mindset that we operate on all day. You use faith all the time. You, you use faith when you came here today. You, when you were driving over here, if you drove through an intersection, you had faith that the people and the other cars were going to follow the rules of the intersection. That if they had a stop sign, that they were going to stop. So you went through, you didn't have a stop sign, you had faith that they were going to stop. You had faith that, that the signal lights are working correctly. And so you, you just, you went right through the, because you had the green light, you went right through the intersection. We operate on faith. You get in your car by faith, believing that your car's going to turn on, it's going to take you somewhere. You get on an elevator by faith. How do you know it's not going to break down? Well, you don't, but you know, you trust that it's going to get you up and then back down. You use your credit and debit cards by faith that you're going to be able to pay off those, you know, those expenses, right? We couldn't operate in the world without some degree of faith. So the idea of faith is, is not an unfamiliar concept to any of us. We use it all the time. So, but we're talking about faith in God. And that's where many people get tripped up. So let's read today's story. Today's story is found in Matthew 15. And uh, these are not going to be up on the screen. Uh, so I want you to read them. Uh, on your Bible, if you would look up in your Bible, and if you don't have one, maybe somebody next to you has one, or maybe uh, on the phone, on your phone, you can look up uh, using the YouVersion Bible app. So some of these verses will be up on the screen later, but not right now. I want you to, to read along in your Bible, or if you have one, share with somebody next to you. This is Matthew 15, beginning with verse 21. Matthew 15, beginning with verse 21, and uh, it reads like this. And by the way, I'm going to be reading for the most part today from the New Living Translation. So verse 21 reads like this, Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was, only, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Wow. Wow. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Verse 27, she replied, That's true, Lord. But even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. 
Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Wow, what an amazing, amazing story. What an amazing woman she was. Now, you, you understand this woman was a mom. And, and you parents know that when your children are sick, especially if they're desperately ill, you'll just do anything, won't you? You'll do anything possible to, to, to get her to somebody who can, who can help her or help him. And so I, wanna, I want us to see this woman's extraordinary faith. And Jesus himself said that her faith was great. It was, it was above ordinary. It was extraordinary. And so we're going we're gonna to look at some steps to extraordinary faith. And, and the first one is this. The first point, if you're writing down notes, this is the first point, is that, that your problems are faith starters. Your problems are faith starters. This woman, as I said, was desperate for a solution. And, and you can see why. Right? If you've ever had a child who had a medical emergency, you know what this woman felt like. This week, our presbyter, the presbyter of the San Angelo section, the group of churches that we're a part of, um, Pastor Galen Morris and, and Brady, sent us a prayer request for his grandson. And I don't know how old his grandson is. He's a, he's a little boy still. Uh, I don't know, maybe eight or nine or ten. But uh, suddenly uh, developed a, a condition. Uh, his blood sugar just went sky high. He, it was over 300. They couldn't bring it down. He was airlifted from San Angelo to Austin because obviously his parents aren't going to say, well, it's not that big of a deal. Well, let's find him some answers here no they told him you know that your best uh, chance is going to be taking him to this hospital in austin and said of course parents are going to agree with that because parents will do anything right to get their children the right help and it, so at any rate it turns out that uh, he was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and uh, he's going to come home with insulin but the parents are grateful that at least, you know, the sugar's back down. Because for a while there, it looked very, very serious, right? So here's a woman. We understand that. And maybe some of you have been through something similar with your children or somebody else in your family. So here's a woman who's facing that situation. And it sounds like she's tried everything. Otherwise, she wouldn't be so desperate. If she had something up her sleeve, I still have this other option. Maybe she wouldn't have been this desperate. So it had to have been pretty bad. Uh, and we don't know exactly what was happening. She said, my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. So the Bible doesn't tell us here specifically what was going on, what the, the torment looked like for this uh, young girl, for this daughter. I mean, can you imagine, though? Can you imagine? Again, as parents, when we see our children struggle and we think, man, they're struggling against, maybe they're struggling against a, a habit, a bad habit, a vice, a sin, and, and we're like praying, Lord, set them free. Can you imagine being tormented by a demon? We don't know what the demon was specifically doing to her, but the, the mother described it to Jesus as a demon that torments her severely. So she's in great need. She's desperate. And she hears about Jesus. Maybe she heard that he was a miracle worker. Maybe she heard that he had cast demons out. And she thought, he can do the same thing for my daughter. So she went searching for Jesus. She didn't wait for him to come around. She went searching for him. 
Now, in, in, the, in the parallel account of the story, in Mark chapter 7, Mark 7, 24, this is a parallel account of the same story. Mark writes it uh, this way. He's, he says, And Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. Right away, a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit. Now here's Jesus trying to rest, perhaps. So he goes into a house, doesn't want anybody to know that he's there. She finds him. The point I'm trying to make is that she went to look for him. And she, Jesus is trying to hide. She found him because she had great need. She went searching for Jesus and, and found him. You know, sometimes we have to do a little searching for Jesus. It's not that He is hiding from us because He doesn't want to help us, because He, he doesn't want us to approach Him and, and bother Him. But sometimes He wants to see the depth of our faith and the depth of our effort. In fact, Matthew 7, 7, Jesus said this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So we need to ask and keep asking. We need to seek and keep seeking. We need to knock and keep knocking. And that's what this woman did. She did in a physical form what Jesus taught his followers in, in the Sermon on the Mount, to do in spiritual form, to seek God, to be persistent, not to give up when we're seeking God. So this woman finds Jesus. Her desperation is driving her. In this case, her desperation is what started her faith. Her desperation is what started her journey to faith. Her desperation is what started her journey to faith that led to a miracle. Because your problems can be your faith starters. Your problems are an opportunity for God to intervene, for God to work a miracle. So what are you facing right now? Maybe, maybe you have an unfulfilled dream. Lord, I always wanted to do this. And I thought by this time this would have happened. And, and it's an unfulfilled desire. Well, that can be a faith starter if you just trust God and pray to God and take steps to fulfill that dream. Or maybe it's a physical illness. God, I thought by now I'd be, I'd be healed. I thought by now I'd, I'd be in complete health. Well, don't give up on that. Use that problem as a faith starter. Begin to seek God. Go through obstacles Go through the crowd like the woman with the issue of blood. Fight through the crowd. Climb a tree like, like Zacchaeus. Climb a tree if you can't see Jesus. Otherwise, do something. Go out of your way to seek God. Come, and, come to church and worship God and ask people to pray for you. Seek God and let your problem be your faith starter. And so... That's, I think, something that we need to, a way that we need to see our problems as faith starters. But also, here's another point that we can draw from here in this story is, is that your failures don't determine your faith. Your failures don't determine your faith. Now, this woman, according to Matthew 15, 22, this woman was a Gentile woman. 
Specifically, she was a Canaanite. She was from the, the land of Canaan. Now, the land of Canaan was a promised land. If you know, if you know the Old Testament story, you know that when God brought the Israelites to the promised land, that was, a, that was, a, that was Canaan. And God told uh, the Israelites, this is your land. You can possess it. But first, you need to dispossess it of all the pagan nations that are living here. You need to drive these people out. They had to dispossess. They had to fight battles to drive them out before they could take control of the land. Right? So the Canaanites, many of whose survivors had been driven out from Israel during the Israelite conquest, at this point in time now, the Canaanites were the most morally despised of Israel's enemies from the Old Testament. They were morally despised. They had been enemies of the Jews for a long time. And this woman was a Canaanite. This woman was one of those that was a group of people that were morally despised. They were, they were huge enemies of Israel. And then she was from Tyre and Sidon. Now Tyre and Sidon were, were traditionally pagan territories. How many of you know the story of Jezebel in the Old Testament? Remember Jezebel, the evil woman who married King Ahab and brought pagan worship to Israel. And she was killed by King Jehu. Go Jehu, right? She killed and he killed Jezebel. But, she, but prior to that, she killed many of, many of Israel's prophets. Well, Jezebel was from Sidon. So Tyre and, and Sidon were pagan nations. In fact, just to give us a little background of, uh, about their reputation, Matthew eleven twenty one, 21. This is a, a woe that Jesus spoke about two cities and compared them to Tyre and Sidon. So look at Matthew eleven twenty one. 21. What sorrow awaits you? Chorazin and Bethsaida. For the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon. Their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. Okay, so known as the way that Jesus, in, in pronouncing this, this woe, as it were, uh, on, on Chorazin and Bethsaida, notice the way that he uh, describes Tyre and Sidon as wicked Tyre and Sidon. So this woman is a Canaanite. She's from Tyre. And she's a woman. And back then, I mean, you know that women were just not held in, in high esteem. Back then, being a woman, uh, sadly, was a disadvantage in almost every area of life. She was the most unlikely candidate for a miracle from a human perspective, right? She was a most unlikely candidate for a miracle. She could have said, I don't deserve a miracle. Look where I come from. Look who I am. Jesus is a, he's a prophet. He's a rabbi. He's a Jew. Why should I bother going to him? Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like you were unqualified for a miracle? That you didn't deserve a miracle? Because let's face it, any time that we pray for anything, we're basically praying for a miracle, right? You might be saying, well, it's, you know, I don't need a whole lot. I just need, you know, I'm feeling kind of sick. I need God to heal me. I mean, that's a miracle, right? Anything, any, any prayer we, we bring before God, we say, it, we're asking God for a miracle. And you might think, well, I don't deserve a miracle. But I want to encourage you by the fact that God loves to select what human, human 
perspectives would say are unqualified people all the time. Think about the Good Samaritan. You know the story of the Good Samaritan? In Jesus' day, to the Jews, there's no such thing as a Good Samaritan. There were just uh, Samaritans, and that was enough, enough said. People uh, knew what that meant. Samaritans were hated by the Jews. They were unfit. They were unclean. They were outcast. And, then, and yet Jesus was telling this story and that we refer to now as the Good Samaritan, showing that it wasn't a person's nationality or their ethnicity or their background or their history or their past, but the character of their heart that is important. Think about how Jesus reached out to prostitutes and tax collectors. Tax collectors were hated even more then than they are now. I don't know if they're hated, but they're, you know, we don't exactly love them. But back then they were hated. In that day, the religious leaders would have been to Jesus, what are you doing? Hanging out with prostitutes. That looks bad. You shouldn't be by yourself with a woman. Especially if they're prostitutes. What are you doing? Hanging out with tax collectors. They're bad people. And Jesus' point was exactly, that's why I'm helping them. And, and by the way, you're bad too. You're not just willing to admit it. Jesus loved to throw the system, to turn the system on its head. All that to say that don't ever think that God doesn't have a miracle for you just because you're not one of the worthy ones. Oh, I didn't grow up like the people in that church. I didn't grow up in church. My past. No, none of that. None of that is important because here's the truth. None of us is worthy of a miracle. Not one of us is worthy of a miracle. Even the most, quote unquote, holiest of us. And I use that term, you know, just to, to make a contrast. Even the, the really spiritual people who've never said a cuss word and never, you know, taken a drink and they don't cuss and they don't chew and they don't go with girls that do. Even those people are not worthy of a miracle. Even, you mean even people that have no tattoos? And they never miss a quiet time with the Lord? Yeah, even they aren't worthy of a miracle. If God grants us a miracle, it's not because we're worthy. It's because Jesus loves us. Your background, your economic status, your brightness or, or lack of it, it doesn't matter to God. So don't count yourself out of a miracle just because of your past. Don't. God has a miracle for you. This woman didn't, and we shouldn't either. But what about, now we say that about our past, but what about our present? What about our present? Well, this woman also didn't let her present stop her. So let's talk about that. And, and the, the point we're going to cover here, number three is, is that barriers will strengthen your faith. Barriers will strengthen your faith. In the book, Aristarchy, we read this. Uh, if you've been reading the book, you might have come across this. When doubts, when, I'm sorry, when doubt sets in, it's easy to have our attention and focus placed on our challenges instead of our opportunities. We've got to be careful we don't do that, that we don't place our eyes on our challenges instead of our opportunities. This woman had so many challenges. First of all, she's ignored by Jesus. Verse 23 tells us that 
Jesus says, but Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. No reply. Now we're used to a God that we'd like to think that he's a God who answers us. God answers prayer all the time, right? God answers prayer. So she went to Jesus in this desperate state, and Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Now, have you ever felt that way, though? Have you ever felt like God was ignoring you? God, I've been praying. I've been asking. I've been seeking your face. And what did this woman do? We'll go back to verse 23. After Jesus didn't even say a word to her, didn't acknowledge her, his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to... Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all her begging. So she continues to beg. She's, she's crying out. The NIV says that she's bothering us with all her crying out. So she's crying out, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, have mercy on my daughter. And she's going on and on. She is not giving up. She is not taking no for an answer. And she's not taking silence from Jesus for an answer. She doesn't allow God's silence to keep her from a miracle. And I think that's a good lesson for us. Don't let God's silence stop you. It's possible that God might be silent for a while. It's possible, as I said earlier, that God may, may want to see our effort. The effort is important. Effort is important. important. Sometimes we think that effort is, is uh, uh, contrary to, to grace. Effort is not contrary to grace. Earning is, is contrary to grace. If you think we can earn God's salvation through our effort. But putting forth an effort, that's compatible with grace. Jesus said, make every effort to enter through the narrow gate. Make every effort. Strive. And maybe He wants to see your effort in, in coming to Him. And, and this woman did not give up. And so look at the next barrier in verse 24, Matthew 15, 24. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. So Remember, she's a Gentile. So Jesus said, I wasn't sent to people like you. I was sent to the, to the Jews. I was sent to God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. That's what I came for. I, in other words, I, you know, I can't help you. You're not a Jew. You know, so I mean, you might say, well, okay, at least he responded to her, but that's not what she wanted to hear. It's the opposite of what she wanted to hear because he's basically saying, no, God Help my daughter. She's being tormented, severely tormented by a demon. Jesus says, no, I can't. I can't. Have you ever felt God say no to you? Many, many years ago, I heard somebody say it this way. You know, when we pray, God may say no. Or God may say slow, as in, okay, I'll answer, but not now. Or God may say go. I your request is answered. And we, we like to go, and we don't even mind the slow, okay, God, as long as I know you can answer, but we don't like the no. But could it be that when God says no, that He's protecting you from something or maybe someone? You might be begging for that 
guy or that girl, Lord, please, this is a woman I want to marry, or this is a guy I want to marry. I promise you I'll get them to church, and I'll get them to love you, I promise. And sometimes God says, no, that's a really bad decision. You know, and, and, and sometimes God says no for your benefit. Now, in a situation like this woman, obviously he wasn't going to end up saying no because this was a legitimate request. But if there's something that, you know, God knows what's ahead. He knows our hearts. He knows, he knows our motives. And so when, sometimes when he says no, he's doing it for our benefit. So this woman, though, notice what she does. After he said, no, I can't help you because I didn't come for people like you. Look at her response in verse 25. But she came and worshipped him. That means that she knelt down. Some translations will say she came and knelt before him. She worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. It wasn't time for praying with flowery language. It wasn't time for praying with big words. It was time to just cry out and say, Lord, help me. And she doesn't give up. She even, again, she worships him. She calls him Lord. And then he places another, Jesus places another barrier in front of her. Look at this. It's a barrier of, of insult. Let's call this insult. Look at verse 26. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Well, that's a big barrier. He's been putting up barriers. First, he, he ignored her, and then he said no to her, and now he's comparing her to a dog. I can't take food from... I, came for, I didn't come for you. I came for the Jews. I came for the people of Israel. I can't take their food and give it to you like somebody would take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Wow, and this is at a, at a time in history when dogs weren't beloved pets like they are now. How many of you, let me see your hands, how many of you have a, a dog? You love them, don't you? Yeah, we do too. If I were to ask you, what crazy things do you do for your dog? Oh, man. Oh, man, I'm sure there's some really crazy things that you, you do for them because you love them. Uh, so, back then, people didn't love dogs. People hated dogs. People loved lions, you know, the, these animals of strength. But dogs weren't, weren't loved the way they are now. And so, wow, he's comparing her. I mean, didn't directly call her, but just about a dog. But certainly comparing her to a dog. But we'll see here in a moment what Jesus is up to. But look at this woman's response. Verse 27. She said, she replied, that's true, Lord. But even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Wow. All I can say is, wow. She, first of all, she's quick. What a response, though. What a response. This is a huge barrier. And she could have finally put her head down and said, I, I tried. I really tried, God. I really needed this miracle and turned around and walked away. But... She came back with a response, like, okay, uh, you don't have to give me the food that, that's designed for the people of Israel. Give me the scraps that fall. I'll get them. Just give me the scraps, because that's how dogs eat. They just eat the scraps. Now, here's a challenge to all of us. If you knew 100% that you would get 
the miracle for whatever it is you're needing, what barriers would you be willing to push through? If, if you were this woman, would you have given up, first of all, in, in searching for him? Remember, he's hiding, as it were, in secret, right? for perhaps a time of rest. That was the first barrier. Would you have kept looking or would your past have stopped you? Would the silence have stopped you? Would the dismissal, no, I can't help you, have stopped you? Would the insult have stopped you? You know what this story teaches us? Never give up. Push through to your miracle. It might just be on the other side of, of, the, of the barrier that's in front of you now. But it does raise the question, why is Jesus doing this? I believe that Jesus is wanting to highlight this woman's faith to push through the barriers. I think Jesus knew, I know he knew how desperate she was. And maybe he wants to teach his disciples what this kind of faith, extraordinary faith looks like. He knew that she wasn't going to give up in the middle of all the barriers and, and that she would now serve as an example for us today. Thousands of years later is an example of what a faith busting, a barrier busting faith rather, a barrier busting faith looks like. So the barriers are what grow our faith. The testing of faith builds faith like a muscle. I don't know a lot about building muscles, but that's what I've read. What if God's silence is a test of your faith? What if God is creating some challenges to your miracle just to get you to push a little harder? Let me go ahead and finish this because I've gone longer than I meant to. But the, the final point, and this will be short is this, that extraordinary faith will break through your obstacles. You might even say extraordinary faith will finally break through your obstacles. And I want to look and consider her response. Her response. Jesus said, it's not right to take the food for the children and to give it to the dogs. And she said, yes, but... Yes, but even the dogs can eat the scraps that fall from the table, that fall to the ground. She said, that's true, but what if we responded that same way to all the circumstances that, that discourage our faith? You get, a, you get a bad report on your health from the doctor. He says, I need you to sit down. We need to talk about this, and it's a bad report. What have you said? Okay, that's true, but God is my healer, and God will never leave me. What if, you know, you, you're dealing with uh, some illness, anxiety, is, 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 uh, you're struggling with it, it's high. You say, okay, that's true, this is true, but God is my peace. And He will give me perfect peace when my mind is focused on Him. What if your marriage is, is rough, and you're saying, Lord, we're just not connecting. I don't know what's wrong. We're just not connecting. Then uh, God would say to you, that's true, but I can reconcile your marriage just like I can reconcile a sinful world to myself. I mean, you might be looking at money coming in and money going out and it's, it's not enough. And you're saying, Lord, 
my situation is really bad. And, and God would say, well, that's, that's true. But I will supply all your needs according to my riches in glory. What if we said that the next time we need a miracle and our circumstances aren't looking good, we can say like this woman, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs can eat. You think I'm, I'm like a dog? Okay, fine. Even the dogs can eat the scraps that fall from the master's table. That's true. I got a problem. But God has promised this. That's true. I'm struggling. But God has promised this. What if we said that each time our circumstances were not looking good? What if we took a step back and just said, that's true. But. That's true. But. And this woman is amazing. Her faith, driven by this desperation, but also by her trust, by her belief that God, that Jesus could work a miracle is such an example for, for us. Arrow strikers grow in their faith. Arrow strikers grow in their faith. They build toward an extraordinary faith because your faith in God can bring about great miracles. So today as we finish, I want to ask you, what is your desperate need before God? What is your desperate need before God? Before God? Or maybe it's not a desperate need. But as I said, anytime we ask God for something, we're essentially asking Him for a miracle. Every prayer is a prayer for a miracle. And I want you to believe that you can have that as you trust God. Would you bow for prayer? Father, we come to you today. Some of us here are hurting. Some, somebody watching online right now or maybe watching a re replay is hurting. They, they're facing barriers. They're facing circumstances. They want to trust. They want to believe. But the circumstances are working against them. And they're acting as a barrier to believing and to receiving the miracle. But God, there is, no, there is nothing that you can't do, first of all. We know that to be true. There is nothing that is impossible. And of all the things that are not impossible, your word says that there's nothing that's hard to do. You can do the impossible easily for us. But maybe right now you just wanted to see where's your commitment, where's your devotion, how hard are you willing to ask, to seek, and to knock. I know that there are lives that are in pain, there are hearts that are broken. Lord, I pray that you wouldn't meet them right now, that you would help us starting even right now through this prayer, even right now through these next few moments of responding to this message. I pray that you would help us to call on you. To seek you until we find you. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.